Hello, hello. Welcome to the Back Porch Podcast. I'm Corey Dempsey. And I'm Andrew Bean. This week we are doing our horror movie Oscars. We did another one like this back, I don't know, two months ago? On it was a few months ago, yeah. On sci-fi movies. We're going to bring that concept back and we are going to be talking about horror movies. To do so, we are here with director Joe Geidel, a man who joined us on the Hot Wings episode and nearly died. Yeah. How you doing? Won it, though. Have you recovered? Ah, well, it's, uh, I think I'm, I'm finally coming back to reality here after that one. <laughs> I paid the price for a few days, let's say that. Sure did. Oh, yeah. No, my I GI, thought that one. My GI doctor wasn't too happy with me. <laughs> yeah, I would assume so. He was just like, you to did, Dr. Kuhar. You did fucking what? <laughs> you did what? And you have ulcers? <laughs> Dude, why do I even try to help you? Yeah. What are you paying me for? Why I, do did I, help I not you? pass you the sheet of... Oh, well, yeah, you didn't specify two million Scovilles was not allowed. <laughs> yeah. I, just, I, I thought it was just no onions and, and garlic. <laughs> I have to assume some of those sauces had both onions and garlic Yeah, as well. I was going to say, like, we're, we're predominantly... <laughs> Once you go down that road, man, they were made everything has onions and garlic, you're like, all right, I can't have that, I can't have that. So well, hey, man, point, you, you triumphed anyways. Just living, man. You just even, living. You won, too, which was even more impressive. The yeah. glory sustained me. Yeah, no, there you go. That's a good way to look at it. <laughs> Just riding off that high. All right, Beam, what are we drinking this week? All right, riding so... Riding off that hot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just get that one there. Uh, so this week, we're going to drink a beer entitled Hydra Lollipop Forest. It's a collaboration between Mortalis and Deciduous Breweries. Um, basically, the reason why we're going with this is because, like a couple of the movies, maybe... This is going to get a little thin, but we, <laughs> in the mist, you can't see through anything, right? There's nothing you can see in front of you. Uh, in the descent, there's a lot of times where they had no idea what was going on in front of them, unless they lit some sort of a torch, which that means fire, which that brings us back to the hydra, which refers to a dragon on this can. <laughs> so I think the connections are there, whether you want to dissect how uh, tightly wound they are. Um, that's up to you. But yes, uh, it's a wonderful beer because also you can't see through it. That's the other thing. It is cloudy as all get out. Yeah, really we just want to drink a delicious beer. So <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's open it up. Yeah, it's a wild-ass beer. I like that a lot. I mean, it's... It's approaching not a beer, but... I don't know if it is. It's delicious. I don't think it is. It's like somehow like a sugar cookie mixed with... Or like it feels like cookie dough in my mouth, which sounds weird. That is fantastic. But I don't hate that consistency. Not even playing this up. This is fucking (laughs) fantastic. (laughs) Hydra Lollipop Forest. It's kind of ridiculous, right? I get a lot of pineapple... A lot of pineapple, a lot of strawberry. Someone referred to it as like a Tootsie Roll Pop, too. I was like, that's okay. Yeah. I don't, okay. I don't truth, think that's terribly off. advertising here with the lollipop. But a lot of strawberry and pineapple. I've never tasted a beer quite like that. It's because there isn't much like that. No. Just more talus, just putting fruit puree in their beers. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about some horror movies here. We are going through the 2000s, 2000 to 2009. Any movie that we deemed a horror movie is eligible. Again, we'll get to kind of what we deem horror movies and what that actually consists of. But, Joe, you know, you have a new film called Avoid coming out. 
Yes, yeah, sir. first things first. We've seen the trailer. I'd say pretty comfortably horror elements are a big part of this story. Yeah. So what do you love about horror movies and what, what how did it kind of inspire the making of this film and what, what were you looking to include with those kind of tropes in the horror genre? It's mm, a good question. I, I definitely, I feel like I operate a lot on instinct. I tend to be most inspired by horror movies that are a metaphor for something else. And I think those, those always tend to be the ones that resonate the most with me, whether it's like, you know, from this decade, something like Bob Duke or it follows where it's, it, it's about a deeper underlying issue in the monster element in the film is Just representative of that is representative thing, right? of that thing. I think those are the ones that are most successful because it kind of um, hits on something in the human condition and in, and does it in, it does it in like a way that still gives you the scares and all the things that are fun about movies that I don't want to say like I kind of find hollow, but like the, some of the fantastical horror films, which are a good time. Like I can have a really good time with them, but I, I walk out and I think that's what happened with me if I'm going to like segue into something like I was I was kind of hyped on the ring when, mm. when we first started talking about this. And my 13 year old self was hyped on the ring. And I go and I, I, I remember that being a terrifying experience on my 13th birthday. Yeah, like, let's go to see the ring, dude. Yeah. And at that point in my life, I wasn't a huge horror movie fan, but it was like, that'd yeah. be a cool thing to do with your friends or whatever. So we went and did that and scared the fucking shit out of me. Yeah. But I, so now when I went back and watched it, it was like, this is like the cinematography is great. The editing's great. The sound design is fucking amazing. The visuals are really cool, but there wasn't much left for me to talk about. It mm. was kind of surface level. And, and there's things that there's things to talk about, but like the horror element of it, it, it was, maybe it was because it was super revolutionary at the time what it was doing, but it kind of, and it's it spurred. I think the ring is an important movie. It spurred a generation of movies that have that atmosphere and that tone. But now it's like you go back and watch it and it doesn't feel like super fresh anymore. Right. Um, so I watched it and, and I was just kind of, I don't want to say like let down, but it, and I was like, that, that would have scared me in the theater if I was watching it again or something like that. So I was watching it at home was a different feeling too. But I think, um, incorporating things that really get to the heart of the human condition and aren't just like scares for scares sake or something like that. And I gravitate towards the slow burn um, less. I think jump scares are kind of like they can be really well done. The conjuring. Yeah. Excellent jump scares. Yeah. yeah. But they, it can be, it's definitely like lazy at points and it feels yeah. very familiar. It's like uh, formulaic. So a lot of a lot of horror movies to me feel really formulaic, and I and I I think that's why some of the ones that I was thinking about when I was in like my own style, um, it's not really a horror film, but it has those it has elements of it, in, and I think some of the biggest scares that I've ever gotten are from movies that aren't horror films, and maybe it's because the the scares in them feel more real to me than something like The Ring, which scared me as a kid, but monsters that are just monsters and not representative of something human aren't scary anymore to me. Does that make sense? That makes complete and total sense because I was, so knowing your list and without giving any of the movies away, I got that because <laughs> in terms of in terms of like things that would actually scare you. I think as obviously as I've gotten older, it's the movies that sort of actually talk about things that would actually really happen to you 
yeah. in your life as opposed to giant monsters coming out of some weird accident. But I never saw those as horror movies, but that is an interesting way to look at it. And I can't really argue against that because it does terrify me too to a certain extent. And so when you're talking about these horror movies representing something greater, what were you trying to represent in a void? What, what's kind of the human condition or human emotion that you were trying to represent or metaphorically kind of explore with this, with this vibe that you, that you had? It always fails when you try to put things like this into words. Right. I think that's why David Lynch never fucking talks. <laughs> <laughs> but, <Fair enough>. shit. <laughs> but yeah, definitely feelings of emptiness, existential grief, terror, the feeling of things being out of your control, but we operate on a level that we have control. And like, what if something happened in your life that was so bad that you couldn't come back from it? Is there something that is just so terrible that you keep existing, but you can't really anymore? Like the fear of losing control is always a big one for me. Yeah. And that might tie into like my history as a person, 11 years sober from drugs and that's something that has uh you know that changes you that's an experience that changes you and even like if the story's not just like directly about that like it can't help but work its way in right in, in some regard yeah i think often the best emotion is grief and in, in these horror movies something like hereditary is an absolutely incredible movie and it's dealing with you know losing the matriarch of a family and what that leaves behind and in this case it's you know fucking horrifying cult shit but and that's not what <laughs> right. really happens but you know it's just representative of that grief you mentioned the Duke, like yeah those moments in hereditary the scariest moments to me in hereditary to be to be honest i mean like the horror shit was was freaky and disturbing but like the moments like at the dinner table when she is laying into her kid and I can't remember exactly what she's saying, but like basically telling him she like doesn't love him at all. And like the moment when the kid lays in bed and then the mom is grieving and like, I just want to die. Like those moments disturb me more than, than any other thing in that film because it was so true and so real and visceral. Yeah. yeah it's a little close to home. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it's a little weird. And I think also like kind of staring into the face of the unknown in the abyss is, is something that, resonates with me just kind of segueing back into my own thing like looking into the face of something that you don't understand and not pushing it away and coming to accept death or your mortality or your powerlessness of over a situation is something that kind of the more you push something away sometimes like the stronger that entity becomes when you have to face it yeah <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know what else to kind of say to that. that, that that's absolutely true, I think, in a lot of instances. I mean, it, it informs, you know, kind of like I was saying, what your list is and in terms of what you view as a horror movie. So I think that's, that, I'm assuming that's, do you, is that sort of also like your explanation of what you think a horror movie is as well? Just touching on sort of those themes? No, I think, I think it can be other things. I think just from a aesthetic taste standpoint and who I am as a person, that's what I gravitate towards because, mm. you know, I see myself in those films or I see I see what really scares me. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what Ari Aster asked himself when he was going to make Hereditary is what really scares me. And I think it had to do something to do with like not being in control. Yeah, right on. And so I, there's a commonality between it. That's, that's interesting that you brought up Hereditary because I remember that specifically some interview with him and how the mother sort of 
it's like all of a sudden pouring gasoline on her kid or something like that. <laughs> yeah, she lights her husband on fire. It <laughs> yeah. is uh, very intense. Yeah. So, you know, the reason we're doing this horror movie Oscars is because, you know, at the actual Academy Awards, horror movies rarely, if ever, get recognized. The only two that won Best Picture that you could even really conceivably say are horror movies are Parasite and Silence of the Lambs, but even those are more like psychological thrillers than horror. They have horror elements to them, but they're not really like traditional horror movies. So, I mean, they'll fuck with your brain. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And Parasite's know, many things. Many yeah, things. Right, and it's right. a phenomenal movie. Yeah. And, you know, it has horror elements, but it's not like a traditional horror movie. So, why do we think horror movies often don't get recognized in this way? Are they seen as lesser entertainment? What, what, what's going on here? I do. I, I, I think that there is this weird thing where Hollywood hasn't sort of, uh, or the Academy at least, hasn't caught up. There is, a, I don't know, it's the same thing with sci-fi in, in the late 60s before Kubrick made 2001. Sci-fi was kind of seen as this like second secondary thing. It wasn't, it wasn't up to the bar of drama or whatever. And so I, I sort of feel like that's where horror is. And maybe it's because a lot of the early stuff was more well, that's not even true. I mean, you had The Shining, you had Don't Look Now, you had a lot of, you know, The Innocence, you had a lot of really great horror movies in the 70s and 80s. So it's it's kind of inconceivable to me that we're still here at right. this place with horror. Same. And like 2017, Get Out does get nominated and Get Out is a tremendous movie, but right. then it loses to fucking The Shape of Water, which is fine. I have, don't have a problem with The Shape of Water, but it's not nearly as good as Get Out. And I feel like it's just like a bias against horror movies that, like, this is less than. Some people, too, when you think of horror, a lot of people will just gravitate just sort of the classic slasher film. And they're just thinking it's it's blood and guts. It's something that's just going to make you feel uncomfortable to a certain degree. And it doesn't always involve, like, I don't know. It may not be the best form of film, or maybe not the best form of filmmaking, but it may not have like the best examples, or they probably do, and I think a lot of them do. That's why they're able to set up the horror that horror that they have. But I think it's just they see it as just cheap blood and guts, wonder, and not I, the best acting. I'm kind of riffing here. I wonder if it has something to do with the way our culture sees anger in mm. general as a less acceptable emotion, and you know things like the the, mo- the maybe the emotions of you know. Uh, happiness or, or sadness are are more validated as I know that's like super basic explanation, but it's just something I does that make any sense at all? Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right because if you just look at something like 2018, like Hereditary comes out that year, doesn't even get nominated. A movie like Green Book wins. Yeah, Green Book. I didn't even see Green Book to be honest. I, I, I you don't need to like it's. I love Vigo. Same. I love Vigo and I love Mahershala. So yeah, I, sure I, I do great. too. Um, you know, but it's a movie about race made by white people, and it is very clearly that. Yep. And it makes a bunch of white people feel good about themselves because it's like, oh, here's this really simple solution to a problem, so it makes you feel good. You don't want to have to recognize or reckon with this anger or things going on in something like Get Out that's an actual movie about race made by a person of color. So, like, it's just, it, it yep. is that where, like, movies that make you feel good Something like A Beautiful Mind in 2001, something like Chicago in 2002, they're just like feel-good movies, and these are the things that tend to win. As opposed to more like the more confrontational art. Yeah. 
because those make people feel uncomfortable. And yeah. so I think horror movies make people feel uncomfortable. And I think that's what they should do personally. I mean, that's I why think I that's like them. The point. It means they're yeah. doing their job. Exactly. If it's just, and I think horror movies can be a lot of different things. And I, th- that went into my choices when I was picking and we'll get to that. But you know, the best horror movies make you confront something very uncomfortable. Yeah. And that's what they should do. And that's why they're good. It's better too when they, I mean, there's some that are, so your typical slasher, your Michaels, your Nightmare on Elm Street and stuff like that, where maybe they kind of like briefly touch on the why, um, which I think that too could give, I think a lot of people do kind of think of that of horror movies. And I think too, what's interesting is what we're looking at and what your list, I think in particular, Corey, that I think is interesting. It's that it does run the gamut because there is different subgenres of horror. I think yeah. that's an interesting thing we can talk about now, and we will talk about is mm-hmm. is the definition of of horror films. Because that, as I was going through thinking about it, it was like, well, that's not technically a horror film, but if you think about the concept of that, that's totally a freaking horror film. You know? Yeah. It's it's so weird how horror seems to get pigeonholed. I'm like, oh, it's not really a horror film, dude. You know? But it, it, no, it it definitely. I don't know. I feel like it can be so many more things than than we give it credit for. And maybe sometimes the ones that are not totally considered a horror film, they probably do better on the awards circuit than the ones that are just like straight up. Yeah, if you take away the the moniker horror. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it makes it do a lot better. Yep. So, Beam, I want to get to that, is what were you looking for in a horror movie? Like, what to you made you want to gravitate towards these particular ones? One thing I want to feel in a horror movie is high tension. That can be done with a thriller. It can be done with, you know, various different things in terms of movies. But there's a different kind of tension. It's just the danger that's always lurking around the corner. Um, There's always just sort of this looming threat that happens, I think, throughout a horror movie. That that, to me, makes me consider it a horror movie. Um, And it can be, you know, more existential stuff or just losing control of stuff, which I think there are elements of that in the movies that I nominated as well. I don't know. I think it was just ones, too, that I thought were just good. Did it have elements of, like, gore in it, too? Did it have jump scare moments that aren't just meant to be cheap jump scares? So that's what I tried to look for in the movies. Yeah, I I tried to represent the versatility of the horror genre in my choices because I do think horror is a very versatile genre. So I tried to pick one that was, like, an elevated Mm -hmm. horror movie, something that was really about something else and was doing that kind of metaphorical exploration. I really love horror comedies. Um, something like Hatchet is one that I considered, which yeah. is a hilarious movie. I think Evil Dead 2 is one of the funniest one and of the scariest movies of all best time. Best horror movies, yeah. And so I really like those horror comedies where it's like fun and silly and over the top, but it knows it is and still gets you with certain moments. So you ever I tried Bubba to look Hotep? for that. Bubba Hotep. Oh, yeah. yeah. Bruce oh, Campbell, yeah. what a guy. Bruce Campbell is just a gem in terms of uh, horror films. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, horror comedy there, too. He's got Evil Dead and he's got Bubba Hotep. And he Army can't help Darkness. but not be yep. funny. Or just, he has to be funny. Yeah, he, he just is a funny guy. And then, you know, the third one, I just wanted, like, just a straight-up horror genre film. Like, a slasher flick. Something that kind of... It relies on the violence. To, yeah. It relies on violence and it relies on like uncomfortable situations. Something that was more, more akin to like seventies grindhouse stuff, which I really like. I love the original Last House on the Left that Wes Craven did. I love mm. those seventies grindhouse that are just grimy, fucking dirty films. And so that's that's I, I tried to kind of run the gamut with my choices. Joe, what were you looking for? I know we talked about it a little bit, but you know what 
what made you gravitate towards your particular choices? I was sort of juggling like 10 different ones in, in my head. And I feel like if you ask me tomorrow, it might be a different three. You know what I mean? It happens. Um, I definitely was looking for something that I felt was underrated. Ones that have fallen through the cracks over the years. Ones where I, th- I felt like it was a great central performance. I think I was going into it like, how can I stretch the definition of horror? <laughs> I know I may have alluded to this previously, but I didn't notice that. <laughs> how far can I bend the rules here before they call me out on it? Is really <laughs> <laughs> that was your goal? I mean, our text thread was polite to say the least. Then, <laughs> all right. So let's get to these nominations. What we're going to do here is each of us will just kind of rattle off our three nominations. From there, we'll do kind of a brief discussion to whittle them down to one each. That'll go kind of to the final round, and we'll do that through a discussion of our different films and. From there, we'll get to our final round and see what ultimately wins out of the three remaining. Cool. Sounds good. I like that. All right. I mean, it's what we did last time, so yes. I think we should probably repeat it. I think it worked last time, so let's just do I, it. I say do it again. <laughs> so, Beam, why don't you start us off? What are your three nominations that you got here? So, 28 Days Later being one of them. Mm. I just kind of love me some Cillian Murphy. Also, forgot it really was Cillian Murphy because he looks so different in this than I feel like he has in other films. Yeah. Um, just completely emaciated, bearded, and I feel like I just didn't get much of that from him before. I don't know. I almost didn't recognize him. Um, and then the opening scene, too, I think just sort of an ex- example of what kind of gore you're going to be seeing in it uh, was once the woman got attacked and her just immediately throwing up blood on everyone. Um and I don't know, it just like, it wasn't overdone too. That's the other thing that I kind of like with some horror films that I was going to be nominating. I didn't just want some cheesy gore as much, and I don't think this one had a ton of it. I think there are moments of gratuitous gore, but I thought like it worked in terms of a zombie movie. And also too, like the jump scares that you're going to get, especially the one where Jim, this one in particular, the one where Jim is like kind of recalling his parents. He gets a, ta- he's just thinking about his, his, his parents and then his two neighbors, one from the fucking ceiling, and then one coming just through the windows, just come and attack him. And I just feel like that is such a good one jump scare moment, and then it just brings on the anxiety that I feel like is perfect in a horror movie. So I feel like it's a movie that's filled with it. Um, I also think, too, it touches on the different human human elements, specifically, too, when you get to... Like, one, it's just, it, what's this going to be about? Is this survival, or is this trying to get to a point where you can create a new life? Um, and then also to just the corruption of, of just, you know, a human being when you get to the soldiers and he basically says, I recruited these men here, uh, by telling them I would, I was promising them women. And then just basically Jim had to follow along with that. Right. When he gets to it. So it's like the conundrum of like, do I do this to survive or do I stand up and do the right thing? So I think to a certain degree, it's touches on those as well. Watching his transformation in that movie into like a hardened killer from where he starts is is pretty shocking it's like that whole scene when the when the zombies are running through the the soldiers compound of the house or yeah like a manor isn't it kind of like a manor very Uh, intense and he's and he's gouging the he's pushing gouging his eyes out yep that's the one that scene will yeah lives in my brain yeah lives in my brain i mean especially too the one where he like kills the kid that kind of sneaks up behind him yeah, and it's just has brutal. to kind of it's, it's yeah, just visceral. has to wipe it off his bat. It just shows what out. like you know how what that world turns people into. Yeah, like, this was one of the ones that I was considering for my kind of elevated horror pick because I do feel like this works on a lot of levels, and I may be completely talking out of my ass here. Bear with me, and you can tell me if I am. But if you think about when this movie came out, it's two thousand two, right? 
right after 9-11. Now, obviously, Alex Garland wrote this previously, but I think this movie touches on that. When you think about rage, yeah, just in the moments after 9-11, it was just rage and showing what rage can do to people. And not only what rage can do to people, but then the scariest people in this movie are the humans that have survived. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not even just because of what this turns people into. And a unified rage. Exactly. And, you know, a unified rage against something that they don't understand. So I feel like this is just an elevated movie that's really about that. And, you know, yes, there's zombies. Yes, there's violence. Yes, there's jump scares. But, like, this is an example of a horror movie that's so much more. And I think it's fucking brilliant. And I agree with you, too. Like, the actual humans that are existing, the fact that they were the most terrifying part and what actually consumed them was rage. Uh, because at the end, Jim just, like, unleashes them on, on them. Or, well, at least just the one guy that turns everyone else into these rage monsters. But, no, that's absolutely true. I, I, did, I was sort of wondering what tie-in it could be to, to 9-11 and just sort of what that would bring about. But, like you said, it was written before. But I can totally see that. Yeah, I think it's representative. I think the reason that it plays so well is because it tapped into for sure those feelings afterwards. Yeah. Speaking of... Human beings being the real monsters is always such a great. <laughs> yeah, great I know, right? Turn. And speaking of human beings being the real monsters, oh let's yeah, go to your next one. <laughs> so I, the next one I'm going to nominate is The Mist. Now this mm. I felt kind of fit into sort of. I, this is not. The, I love this movie. This is what I want to say first off. Obviously, phenomenal. I nominated it, <laughs> but I this is not meant to be a knock against them. But this is the one where I talked about sort of the acting not being, like, the greatest. There's great performances from people in this. But overall, it kind of feels like, one, it does feel like it's pulled straight from a book. Like, as if you're reading it and people were just... You're going to say it's hit or missed? Nice. There you go. No, no, it was more... Two out of ten for that joke. It was was more that it felt like a B-movie tie, like you know, wrapped in with a, a lifetime of a movie of the week sort of thing, like in terms of like the acting. And it did really feel like it was just people reading lines from a book like we did in high school. Yeah. You know, I say this and now I say this, like, so that's just kind of what the tenor of the movie wasn't on it. However, basically it's just a movie where uh, military experiments gone wrong, creates this, this, this mist that starts enveloping the entire town, this small town in Maine that, do we get a name of it? Does it matter? All right. Uh, Anyway, the mist creates these gigantic monsters, which has trapped all of these people in a grocery store or supermarket or what have you. And while, yes, the overall threat is the monsters outside, there's this one fucking woman, Mrs. Kermati, that has started to take this into sort of a more biblical sense or look into it in a more biblical sense. This is God coming after us for all of our heathenistic ways. And what's what is great about this this movie is that it does actually the it is somehow sort of similar to Twenty Days Later, and I didn't realize that I did this. It is similar to Twenty Days Later, where the threat from within was a little bit somehow worse than the threat outside. Yeah, like we need to get away from this crazy bitch because she is starting 
a cult. Because she's turning, someone says it in the movie, she's turning into Jim Jones, and this is, yep. I, I don't want to be the one when the Kool-Aid starts getting poured. And, like, it's absolutely true. She's yeah. a total, just turns this situation into her own benefit to start a cult. Yeah. And I just, in this I, grocery store. I, and the best for one, love bottle, like, basically, like, bottle episodes where characters are just trapped in an environment, like, yeah. one location. So that's that's one thing. That and I, it, really I think it does that. so well in that one location, too, because you, you start to feel claustrophobic in that, in that specific location. Because you, because the fucking cult keeps growing. Like then it just starts becoming everyone. People who were originally on your side are now actually going. Yeah, to she's this a, cult. she's a quack in the beginning, and yeah. then slowly she starts kind of like peeling more and more off from the other faction until the fat the other you know the the sane people are the minority. It's like five people left exactly. that are like okay, we're we're on the chopping block. Here. Well, they were the ones criticizing the people too that like uh, that were trying to escape anyways. They're like, don't go out there, and now they're like, you know what? I get it. We need to get out of here. <laughs> I'd rather fate these octopi like creature yeah. than. <laughs> <laughs> the deal with Mrs. Carmody over here, and so I <laughs> and I think too. So like you know, I think I think Thomas Jane does a really good job. Um, yeah, he's great. He's great in this. He's great in it. And then I also think too, as much as I, I said this to Corey, I'm like, listen, Marcia, it's Marcia Gay uh, Harden. Marcia Gay. Marcia is it Marcia? Marcia? Sorry, Marcia Gay Harden. She is knocking it out of the park here. She crushes. Mainly, I hate her. Fucking hate her. I mean, but she's kick, she's killing it. You're meant to hate her, so she's doing a great acting job. <laughs> now, I'm going to say this right off the, the bat, though. Spoilers, um, because you should have seen the Miss by now. Spoiler, it's, spoiler, spoiler. It's been out for a minute, and uh, since 2007. 2007. You've had your time. It's been 14 years. When fucking when Mrs. Carmody dies, and it's just because Ollie just is like, "Fuck this, I'm done," and just shoots her. That is one of the most satisfying moments I've ever had in a movie. It's like. I honestly likened it to when Nurse Ratchet gets choked out in mm-hmm. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Mm. Yep. It's just like, you're so happy. It's a release. It's yes. a release. It is a release for the audience that like they're finally getting hurt. And that's a bad thing to feel. I don't want to feel that. I don't want to feel that either. But, like, it's kind of like just... when I heard Donald Run- Donald Rumsfeld died on Thursday. I was dancing. <laughs> I was like, fuck that guy. Rest in piss. Mrs. Carmody was that type of character. She was basically the Alex Jones, the Rush Limbaugh. The Donald Rumsfeld will say, uh, yeah. Anyways, so but they, you know, they venture there. They, it makes them venture out into the mist. They got to fight off. It looks like they've almost gotten out, but then they run. You know, the ending I will say is like it looks like you know when they escape, right? Or that it's kind of like nothing. There's nothing more we can do. That ending is so terrible. It like that that makes me feel a lot too. Yeah. <laughs> Like that, not that terrible, is terrible. Like it's a bad ending. No, terrible, it's more like, you feel awful yes. at the end. It is like because it makes you just go on such a crazy. I can't even call it a roller coaster. You're just so fucked up by the end of it. Yeah, it's one of the most brutal endings. It's yeah, the most film. brutal ending. And honestly, like that's one of the things that I dislike about horror movies. Sometimes is they pull their punch with the ending. Someone escapes because they want they want to leave with like at least some semblance of hope. Yeah. The audience. This is just like, no, there is no hope. We are going to fucking brutalize your emotions. And that's why that's why I respect it, because it doesn't pull the punch at all. It actually lands just brutal ending. And and I understand that this wasn't mm. a book by Stephen King. It was a novella. So a little bit of a shorter thing. I Now, I don't know if the ending was in that novella. Does any of us know that? No, because Darabont, sure. Frank Darabont, the writer and director. Which, by the way, the guy who wrote fucking Walking Dead, which... Yeah. Did Shawshank too? Yep. He only he, does Stephen King adaptations because yeah. he also did uh, Shawshank the was Green Mile. Too, the right? Green Mile too. Oh yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> uh, but Darabont, like he, 
made the deal that he gets to keep his ending. Mm. That was the only way he would make it for this one studio, and they let him do it. So Darabont, like, kind of invented this ending. And Stephen King said, you know, this is the one of my movies that actually terrified me. And Darabont was like, this is the greatest moment of my career. The guy who wrote Shawshank is more proud of this that movie makes because me love, scared That, that makes King. me love this movie even more. And <laughs> the other thing, too, is that I feel like with that ending, the movie, the movie didn't make – the movie felt to me like it was going to have that happy ending. Or at least maybe that kind of sad ending, but like – at least they did it together kind of ending. Yeah. But man, yeah, it just that I don't want to ruin for anyone because you need to feel it. You need to feel that one in a moment. So anyways, yeah, I love that movie. Anyway, All right, let's go to your last one. What do you got? So the last one I'm going to nominate here is The Descent. Uh, the Descent is one that I remember when I first watched it freaked me out because it touched on just like this anxiety of just not being able to do anything about the situation you're in. There's no escape. It's really dark. <laughs> Everything's making really loud noises. And, like, especially the scene, like, one of the beginning scenes where Sarah is crawling through that tunnel. Like, I, like I'm like i not claustrophobic, but if someone's going to collapse on me while I'm stuck in a small hole, I don't think I'm going to handle that situation well at all. Like, they're screaming at her, move! Fuck you! I got to deal with this shit right now. This movie is such a great concept movie. Yeah. Because yeah. it just takes something that is inherently scary, which is... Cave, cave diving and <laughs> yeah. like being in a cave that is just scary and it's like all right you just take a scary concept and then build out a movie from there like brilliant brilliant stuff i mean you almost could have done anyways there's these creepy they're crawlers essentially is what we refer to them as uh you didn't even need to add those in there for me no. i mean they did become a threat within a threat which shit like, what else are you going to do? I could understand all of their reactions throughout this. But, yeah, anyways. So, this movie, too, also had some decent jump scares. It didn't rely on them, though, which I think was a big part of it. Because, really, what was freaking you out was, how the fuck are you going to get out of this situation? Well, it's creepy before it even gets yeah. violent. But you could feel danger lurking. Like, that's sort of, as I was saying before, you could feel it always around there. It just felt like that dark cloud. I mean, I know it opens with this woman's daughter getting killed by a thing that impales her in the head, which... I thought that was really well done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, as far as movie making. <laughs> I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not rooting a, for this. A well this, done impalement. Uh, yeah, exactly. Of a child. That was really <laughs> well executed. I didn't see the kid really get impaled. I just saw the blood and the shot from behind the seat. But, you know, it let me know what happened. As someone that is claustrophobic, fuck this movie. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It really is. But, yeah, I, I really actually kind of like the monsters in this movie, too. Um, I didn't think they were done horribly. I didn't think they were, like, even, like, sort of the effects with them. I didn't think they were bad. And I thought they were kind of a fascinating creature, too. Have... They also had humanity. Now, think about this. That child was grieving over its parent. I felt bad for that crawler child for a moment. Yeah, the monster child had feelings. Mm. Exactly. So you humanized it for me, and I, I'm kind of with them now. Like, you're in our shit. I mean, so yeah, did the you're alien. You're invading so our <laughs> space. What the hell, man? You're doing this for fun. So Fuck did you. The, so did the alien queen, though. Well, all right. There's a lot of alien in this movie. And yeah. I think that, you know, being what you said before, it has jump scares, but it doesn't rely on them. And I think the reason is it does such a great job of building atmosphere. Oh, yeah. That, like, you're on... You're on edge throughout the whole movie. So the jump scares actually work as like 
a release. Yeah. You're like, thank and God. Like, whatever was there God. showed up. I keep fucking, I'm so tense this whole time. I just need to jump out of my seat right yeah. now. And like the best horror movies do that perfectly. Like I said, The Conjuring before. I love The Conjuring because it builds atmosphere. The Descent, right. Alien, all the best ones build an atmosphere, a tense atmosphere. And then the jump scare is just a release of that. And it's just like, thank you. That's a really good way to put it. I'm going to let you just explain my movies for me. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but no, it, it, I mean, that's exactly true. Um, cause all you just wanted the anxiety of the moment to end and it didn't end in this movie. And, and, and I mean, the twist of it all too, is just really good. I, I just, I fucking love this movie. It felt believable. Like, you know, the actors in it played a really good part. Holly was a really interesting character, really loved her tenacity, kind of, you know, was the reason why she got immediately gobbled up, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, and the gore in it too, I thought wasn't overdone. It was, I thought it was very well done as well. It was, it was very befitting of the movie. So those are my three nominations. Three good, three great choices there. Thank you. Honestly, like a plus for choices. You did, you did great, man. (laughs) All I'm looking for is validation from you. That's it. That's what this whole podcast is about, really. And finally, you're getting it because you stopped choosing garbage shit. <laughs> I fucking love all three of these I movies. Took that mantle. I took that mantle today. Garbage picks right Speaking here. Speaking of garbage picks, let's get to it, Joe. Oh, we got? We're going right in? Okay. So the first film I want to talk about is, I want to say the 2002 film, and I'm forgetting the director's name right now because this is the only film he's ever made. I think he made one other film in the late 80s, but it wasn't super high profile. And he's done a slew of music videos, like 100 music videos. It's uh, the Robin Williams classic, One Hour Photo. Classic. 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 Underrated classic, I would say. Um, And this is basically a story, it's a very simple story, about a man who works in the photo department of essentially like a... uh, like a Walmart type store. And it was called Save Mart. So it's Save, got the word, it has Save the word Mart in it. Kmart. Save Mart. I want to say you're right. Save Mart. Walmart. And he has developed an unhealthy obsession with one family in particular who he's developed photos for for a number of years. When I was reading, um, reading about this movie, thinking, is it more of a character study or is it like a horror thriller? And he was getting, uh, the director was getting advice from none other than Francis Ford Coppola. He had passed him a cut of it during the edit. And Coppola said, and he said, well, it's kind of half a, half a thriller horror movie, half a character study. And he's like, there's no such thing as half a horror thriller. And that informed a, a crucial editing decision, which allowed him to start the movie with Rob, Robin Williams' character being interrogated by a police officer, which lets you know something from the jump in this movie is a miss. But you have no idea what. You have no idea why or how. We see his, his the loneliness and the kind of urban isolation that is something I really gravitate towards. The cinematography is, is gorgeous, sort of finding him in these private moments. Um, you know, the camera will sort of pan over and catch him like down a hallway, like glancing at their photos or something like that in a strange way until we see his apartment. In his fucking apartment, it, you know, seems just like a... Some people like a good collage, man. A good, yeah. Some people like a good collage. <laughs> That's one way to put it. The production is, <laughs> the production design though. If you look at it, it looks similar to a mental institution, his apartment. Ah, uh, the very barren white walls. He's kind of wearing the outfit too. It's like all is. white. And we see this ginormous collage, an entire wall about as big as your 
freaking apartment here. Filled with this family's life, and he's imagining himself as Uncle Sai, part of the family. And I shouldn't laugh. The thing, the thing that's kind of incredible about this, it's so plausible. Yeah. It's so believable. And Robin Williams in this role disappears into this character, and not for one second do I not believe that he is this guy. It doesn't... Because Robin Williams is such a fun dude, and that's well, so right. Here's the thing. I think it has a bit of what... I, there's Planes, Trains, and... It's a weird segue. The movie Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Great movie. John Candy's performance in that movie is probably one of my top ten performances ever because he wasn't playing a character in that movie. That's who John Candy is. Right. That loneliness, that sadness was so real. In, right. in that in that film and I and I sensed the exact same thing in Robin Williams' performance in mm. this that there was such a authenticity there was not there wasn't there I wasn't don't think false. he's wanting to be someone else's family though right No 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 I'm not saying like literally but like the the sadness that this character had right was real Yeah and this movie plays real different now Oh yeah yeah knowing how Robin Williams was dealing with some real shit Sure um, yeah for sure but I think this movie is like a fascinating exploration of just loneliness and isolation and what that does to a person and how it kind of you just have this need as a human being for like connection with people. And because he doesn't have it, he fakes his way into it with a family with, you know, and he's not socially inept. No, like he like he is. He's quite nice. He's quite nice. He's quite he seems pleasant in some moments, but and he snaps a little easy. There's an interesting juxtaposition between his narration yeah. and his pride over his job that kind of reminded me a little bit of the movie Election by Alexander Payne in the way that Matthew Broderick's character would explain his morals and ethics in such high regard, and then right. the character was doing something that juxtaposed the narration. Yeah. That really gravitated me. Like you were learning things about photography and and like obscure facts and stuff like that, and how these other superstores or whatever they didn't take the care and the pride in, and like he carried himself with such and and it was almost like in the work environment didn't value him. No one else seemed to care as much about the technical and, equipment. And this, and this movie plays so well now too because it's its message, you know, disregarding the specificity of a one-hour photo department. Like the obsession with social media and getting, you know, a, a like a not real picture of someone else's life and becoming, I think that's something that, that you know probably we can all relate to to a degree of like. Oh, you seeing, mean FOMO? <laughs> yeah, FOMO. Sure. Do <laughs> you know what I'm kind of saying there? No, like, no, yeah, absolutely. Like, because I mean, this guy was almost doing what I think some people can do on social media, just kind of picturing themselves like. And I, you're, I say FOMO is joking, but yeah, for yourself. exactly. And he's seeing that life. Yeah. Because even too, when he runs into the guy, uh, William, I think his name is, when he runs into him, he goes, oh, you've, you have a beautiful home. Like, you know, everything must be great. He All he could picture was just this guy must be having like the greatest life ever. It was like he was running into a celebrity. And then to find out sort of it's all a veneer for, you know, obviously what he this discovers and makes him go off kind the of deep a end. Dude. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. So I, yeah, I think I think it does really kind of speak to sort of that moment now of creating that fake life and us only being able to see other people where it's like, yeah. wow, everything must be great for you when especially you know, the younger generation too that now have this yeah. kind of constructed Well now they want to be social who media they are that they have to keep up at all times. Yeah. And you can kind of start to, to fall in love with the construction. Or, or start right. to believe the construction, I should say. I also think it's too just like interesting with the kid just being concerned about Psy the photo guy. 
you know that the was, guy the guy who's at your you're doing your you know your, your local one hour Photoshop. I yeah, mean, I can tell you that when I was fourteen or fifteen years old. I was very weary of all photo development people after seeing this movie, so it was effective. I I like side item at all times. I don't know if it was meant to do that. Just like at least Yoshi seems this guy. At least Yoshi used to be. You know, he's seemingly more professional than Sai. Maybe I will say we don't don't know about that guy. I worked at a I worked at a CVS when I was in high school, and I'm I'm no not kidding. I'm not going to say Nate, but. There was some funny shit that went on with the photo guy there. That was about he's like sixty year old guy and he was looking at pictures. Just and stuff all right, like that. just like, don't. There's a guy that's just been obsessed with me. Like he's actually out in the trees right now, just kind of lurking. Beam, I don't think you have to worry about. Yeah, it. you think an awful lot of yourself if you think that's happening. <laughs> <laughs> okay, not the point, but fine. <laughs> all right, Joe, let's get to your next one. What do you got? I do want to say one more thing about Sorry. that: the fucking dream sequence. Whoa! How can you not touch on that if we're talking about that? That scene was was. When I went back to watch it, that was the one thing that stuck in my mind. I was like, I know this is coming at some point, mm-hmm. and man, that shit hits. Are you talking about the part where he cries blood? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because sure when, you, when you mentioned this movie, I'm like, and I was trying to think about it being a horror movie, that scene came to mind immediately. Between oh. this and Insomnia, this is just like peak Robin Williams creepiness. Yeah. Like, just creep show in both movies, and well, really great at playing it. Too. Same year, too. Yeah. It must well, have been a rough someone, year psychologically for <laughs> sure. But making well, these two movies, playing those two roles, yeah. I think too. Like, and I know we, you know, this sounds fucking cheesy, maybe, but like his range. Like, if you really think about it, like you knew him for the comedies, you knew him as the fucking genie, right, from Aladdin. But then too, when it came to you know Goodwill Hunting, that at least showed his ability to be serious in a drama and like really touch on a, you know. Maybe not a flawed character, but someone who has a lot of demons that they're wrestling with themselves. And I think that's fascinating. And I think you come to this, oh, he can be like an insidious bad guy? Fuck yeah. This guy can literally seemingly do everything. Robin Williams is a fucking treasure. I miss that guy. That was like the one guy when he died, like that hit me hard. Him and Prince are like the two celebrity deaths that actually like made me feel something. Tom Petty. But Fair enough. Yeah, it's, I thought he was kind of old, though. <laughs> <laughs> How could you say that? It was nat- it was, that was like natural. Call- it was he was no, it no, it wasn't natural. But like he was. Was it fentanyl? I mean, it's always because he was taking more- something. It was something that he took. Where he, Wait, I think it was an accidental overdose on some sort of painkiller that he'd oh. been taking for years. Which makes sense. The band, the, the man, I mean, barely Doom, moved man. when he played live. But Doom, you Doom loved D- every minute. And DMX, DMX sucked. Let's DMX play. did suck. That because you knew he was trying. That sucked. Yeah, Whitney just, Houston hurt too. Oh God! If we go back, right, there's a lot of celebrity deaths that hurt. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't just Prince and Robin Williams, but those were those were big. Yeah. All so, right. What's your next one, Joe? The next one I want to talk about is probably hotly contested. It's Mulholland Drive, hmm. David Lynch film. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, is a movie that I absolutely love. Same. I still don't understand. Make I've, watched case. It, I've watched it four <laughs> times, and I still don't know what happens in this movie. <laughs> let, me try, let me try to fucking chart it here a little bit. So as far as I can tell, and I love this film. I feel like that's the only way you can talk about this movie. Yeah, as, as far, far as, as I, I can, can tell. tell. Betty, played by Naomi, Naomi Watts, also plays a character named Diane. Betty is a construction of Diane's psyche. Yep. Agreed. The first half of the film essentially isn't real. And the silencio scene kind of lets you know that. That's right? where it flips. That's where we cut. The, yeah, that's where it flips <laughs> and how everything in here is an illusion. That's, I think that's Lynch trying to tell us that 
it worked. This whole first half of the movie was a magic trick. It worked because I remember I just watched it with my wife, and I was like, "Wait, what? How are we here?" But we were here. I don't understand what happened. Like it completely fucked with me. Betty, Betty is how Diane wants to see herself as an actress. Somebody that is talented, confident, she, cool, confident. Yeah. yeah, she. She has this moment with the director, and and she seems to she, have actual hope. She has hope, yeah. And I think that's how that's kind of the crux of the story, is this crippling feel of fear of failure and how dreams can be twisted into nightmares. And we people come to Hollywood and how Hollywood entices people with this, the you know yellow brick road or this, the streets are paved with gold type of thing, only to have dreams die and wither and and get crushed essentially in how actresses and performers are discarded after their value is no longer uh, needed. Yeah. I think you absolutely nailed it. And like, that is what I get from the movie. Like I do what I mean when I say, I don't know what happens is like plot wise. I don't really need it. This movie is just of like, a, it's just a vibe and it's that vibe. Oh, of it's like a vibe. Yeah. Crushing dreams. And I think David Lynch's like surrealist style is just, I think this is his best one in terms of that surreal style. Like everything he was building f- towards since Eraserhead, like this is the culmination of all of it. Yeah, he hit, he he hit on all the elements in this one. Yeah, this is this feels like it's my favorite film of his. I know you know everybody kind of has a different favorite Lynch film, but I think this is his most complete film. And the horror element, I mean, the Winkies Diner scene, I mean, the whole film is ominous to me. Something feels off the whole time. It. it because you, cause you could totally feel it. You're like, where are we going with this? Yeah. It's, yeah, it puts you on edge just like a horror movie does, but in a completely different way. Yeah. It's a movie that almost defies explanation, but it isn't nonsensical in any way. It, it's one of those things that feels like it has its own logic, and like you just said, it's a vibe. Yeah. <laughs> like the message and what the story is trying to tell you that's not muddled or lost at all it's no. just like how we get there it's just like you so, just have to strap in and just be like all right i'm you're i'm in your hands you have to accept what's going you to be happening you just have to give yourself to the movie and just let it happen which i didn't do that was my bad cuz i was just like wait we were i thought we were on something linear but now we're like we're over here now no, if you're going into a lynch film you just got to let him well, he that was he, my he fault reel, he reels you in like in I mean, I, I fell for it. Like, the first, probably the first two times I watched it, I didn't. See, this is the problem. I watched it once, and I just sat there hat in hand being like, well. He plays with your expectations of horror so well. Like, he tells you, essentially, the monster is you here. You talked me into it, man. He tells you the monster is here, and you're still fucking scared as shit when you see it. How does he do that? You know, it's almost something, as something, as a filmmaker, I've deconstructed this movie. I've, especially the Winky's diner scene where I'm like, why does this work? It's broad daylight. It's at a diner. Yeah. He's told you what's going to happen and it works. Oh, it still gets you when he pops out from behind the dumpster. It's just like, uh, what yeah. in the actual fuck is happening? Yeah. I mean, this is a tremendous flex choosing this as a horror movie. <laughs> and honestly, I, I, yeah, I, you've, you've convinced me. I, I'm convinced. It, and I, I completely understand it because, like, it is a movie that you're on edge. Like, it's not the traditional on edge. It's just, like, on edge because he, you talked a lot about losing control. Like, you have no control over this movie, and you just have to give yourself to it. And that is unsettling. And it's on and you. Itself. It's yeah. on you as the viewer, which is probably the most genius part of it. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's a tremendous movie. And 
I like it. I like it as a choice. All right, what's your last one? What do you got? I didn't before, but I like it now. <laughs> Glad I sold you guys. Um, my last choice. Yeah, this is really just boot camp. This is just a way for you to be able to sell your film. <laughs> this is training you for pitch meetings. Let's go. Pitch us on. Please, the, the have me on one. every week then. <laughs> um, my last film is going to be, I can't remember the year, but Mothman Prophecies. 2002, I believe. I guess that was You just love 2002. Horror. I freaking love we that We do. Year. I'm, wow, I picked all early 2000s. Bro, all early 2000s. Yeah, Mo Holland was 2001. 2001. 2001. And 2002 was one hour photo. Yep. It was a good time in the in the horror world. Those two years. Yeah, I mean, I almost chose The Ring, so that was also... But anyway, um, Mothman Prophecies, 2002, Richard kicks it into high gear for this performance. <laughs> <laughs> Give him the sad trombone. <laughs> I need it now. <laughs> Give him the sad trombone. What are we? We are now shot jocks. Give him the sad trombone. All right. Um, it's a movie about uh, a journalist. And this is the one that's not as fresh in my head, by the way, for all you viewers out there. But it's one that I've loved for a long time. So I'm going to do my best to work my way through this explanation. Um, it's a movie about a uh, journalist. Correct. Who is newly married or is, is house shopping with his wife, Deborah Messing. Um, and they have sex in a closet. Who does that when you're just looking at a house? Let's be honest. I think that's I what think the that's, realtor I think was thinking. It's important to know when you're buying a house. Like, is this closet fuckable? Because <laughs> this is where we're okay, usually That makes fuck, it right? seem like, can I fuck this closet? No, it's more, can I fuck in this closet? Fair enough. And they get caught. Doesn't the realtor, can't the realtor at least give them a moment? <laughs> That's a real fuckable closet. Get out of here. Anyway, so they're driving home. They're all fucking hot and excited. Because they got this, you know. Well, I think they released it. They were well, yeah, but they're all, you know, they're Maybe playful. <laughs> they're having a good time in the car, and then all of a sudden, the wife sees something fly at her as she's driving. It causes her to lose control of the car, go off the road. Did she hit black ice? Because man, that car is spinning for the longest time. She might have hit black ice. It's a very intense crash scene. It's a very intense crash scene. It was very creepy. She ends up in the hospital and unexplainedly has some sort of brain tumor. Yep. She draws a photo of what she saw behind the wheel. He didn't see anything. And um, it's this weird creature, this cryptid, moth-like monster that a tiny little is unexplained, unexplainable. And her last moments are spent in terror over this vision. And the movie very quickly, this this honeymoon phase very quickly turns into a nightmare for him of questions that he needs answered. And from there, we go on a sort of investigation where John and Laura Linney's character are sort of trying to figure out what's going on. But mostly, John is staying inside of the town of, is it Point Pleasant? Yes. He even tried, he tried to leave and just ended up in West Virginia again. (laughs) He just did a loop. Yeah. And this is, this is a real town with a real mythology behind this entire thing locals will tell you this actually that this situation actually happened that many sightings have happened of the mothman bunch of police calls that were made just not about like actual crimes happening just weird shit a bizarre creepy sort of bigfoot but much creepier phenomenon i honestly kind of think this is like this is what thin man could speak what it would sound like yeah it's one of those monster movies like the slender man insert slender man right here 
that like just haunts you at all times. And I think one of the great things about Mothman is how, again, it's just the monster standing in for grief, essentially, yeah. and the unknown, um, the grief over the loss of his wife, and then it starts to haunt him, yeah. uh, quite literally. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I don't like in this is they really hit you over the head with the red eyes symbolism. Too it's much. in like every scene, and it's like always there. Some and of I them get actually that that's have the point, red but eyes. I'm just like, dude, I, I got it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <With> it's a, <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, like there was always like the moth, like oh, this intersection moth, yeah. and it's like, all right, I think I get what you're talking about. I get it. It's always this here. is it this is everything. definitely an under the radar pick. I I particularly like love the atmosphere of this film. I think it has a, a, a very peculiar peculiar sort of uh, unique atmosphere that I haven't... I don't know. It's it's an uncommon film. It, it's it's weird. It, it's you don't that, feel great being in this town. No. I feel like he needs... I want Richard Gere to get out. The atmosphere sits with me, and, and I think that's what I... What I've, I don't know. Gravitate more towards the tone of this film is, is very... Uh, but I do agree with you. We do, we do get beaten over that. <laughs> <laughs> I... I do think that atmospherically it is very unsettling, which is how I feel like spending a week in West Virginia would make me feel so accurate. There's, I just I can't make a super compelling case about it like I could the others. Maybe if I had watched it this week, like I should have, but it's definitely it felt worth like the watch. most you should watch horror it because of, of your cho- of your choices in the from the it's outset. The most traditional horror, yeah, traditional for horror, sure. yeah. All right. Well, anyways, to Corey, I think that you're up. Yeah. I have three. I'm going to go in chronological order here. The first is 2004's Shaun of the Dead, directed by Edgar Wright. This is my horror comedy pick. I will say off the bat, I think this is a lot more comedy than horror. Um, <laughs> it is comedy you with zombies. Don't yeah. say. <laughs> but I think there are still some scary sequences. I think that it builds on a lot of the horror movie tropes, like being trapped in a place Granted, it's a bar, and that's a very funny sticking point throughout the movie. Um, but this idea of being trapped somewhere, um, being isolated and alone during a zombie apocalypse, um, it has all those elements, but it is also absolutely hysterical. I think this is one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. I recall the first time I ever watched it was in a basement with a lot of friends, and that is the preferred way to watch this movie. Just have some beers, have some friends. And just have a great time, because that's what this movie is. It's just a great time. It's yeah. hilarious. Anyone can enjoy this film. Yeah. It's going to... Here's the problem. It had some real horror moments. Yeah. It had some really good jump scares. It had some really good gore. The gore was gratuitous to the point, of, especially when... Um, I forget what the boyfriend's name is in it. Uh, the one that gets pulled out by the all yeah. the zombies. When he gets just, pulled apart And just gets zombies. pulled apart. That is... It is so gruesome, but it's just also very funny. Like, oh my god, we're still here. And it's kind of like Mrs. Carmody because it's satisfying. Yeah. You hate that guy. <laughs> yeah, you wanted that guy to get eaten. Yeah. If there is like kind of, you know, yeah, he's up there with Mrs. Carmody where it's like, yeah, can we just get rid of this person? Let's just kill them off. Yeah, yeah he's just kind of a douchebag. <laughs> Huge douche. Clearly in love with Liz, the, the main character. Very clearly oh, in love yeah. with Liz. So I don't have a great case for it as a horror movie but just as a movie like this is 10 out of 10. no it has to be because like I think too the acting in it is really good I really like the storyline of it all the way that they have sort of this love story going at the same time and like we said the boyfriend of the one guy clearly in love with her um, you know it had that going on while the threat outside is literally a bunch of fucking zombies I think it's just so well done I don't think it like I think it just kind of weaves it all together like horror and comedy 
so well. Like it's telling you, it's already telling you it's a comedy. It's not accidentally a comedy. It's right. one that sort of speaks for itself. Yeah. Shaun of the Dead Man. Yeah, and I think, you know, you could also go with something like Zombieland, which is a movie that I like, right. but that really is just a comedy with zombies. This, the fabric of what horror movies are live within the movie. Yeah. And they're playing on those things. It's not just road trip with zombies. That's a good point. This builds on all the horror comedy things. And you see and that with, Agar, with what Edgar Wright is transitioning to now. Is, yeah. Is like straight night, last Night in Soho, just straight horror. And yeah. like it. In, in Hot Fuzz, there's plenty of horror elements. Uh-huh. Like, this is a movie that is made by a huge horror fan, yep. and you can tell. Because it's all baked into, like, the fabric of the movie. Just think about the, the moment when he's walking up the stairs to see where his roommate is. Yeah. And the, the shower scene. And it, it somehow it still blends comedy into that moment, but it's genuinely tense. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm terrified in those moments. Every yeah. interaction with that roommate is tense. Yeah. Because <laughs> as much as it's funny of what's happening in front of you, it's still like, but if something goes wrong, fuck are you going to do? Just great characters, too. Oh, yeah. Tremendous. Yeah. Tremendous. And, you know, I think Edgar Wright is just a phenomenal director. I think Agreed. he's, yeah. what, five out of five at this point? Yeah. <laughs> Least, right? Four out of five. I didn't like the world's end as much. But I like the world's end. I like but world's I, it's I it's fine, but I think Hot it's Fuzz. better on a uh, better on rewatch. <laughs> world's end. I mean, Gary King is. A, I own. A I own. Character. I own Hot Fuzz. World's End and 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 Shaun of the Dead. Cornetto, ones the Cornetto trilogy. Yeah. I don't know Hot Fuzz. I can't between Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead. I don't know. Those. Are, I don't know. Those are close. That's so just, tough. Again, like Shaun of the Dead, I lean towards the most. Same with Hot Fuzz. Like that's just the action movie is built into the fabric of the film, which is what makes it so effective as like a kind of satire spoof, but it's a loving satire spoof because yeah. this is clearly someone that loves this thing. So like, yeah. it's just a phenomenal movie. Well done. I want to give you one scene that I think is the funniest scene mm-hmm. in the entire movie, maybe in movie history. Scene. I want to see the scariest. I, give us your scariest and funniest. <sighs> Let's see. Go funniest first, and then we'll I think the scary. Actually, it's 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 tied in. Oh, I think the uh, scariest and funniest scene is all happening when the guy or his mom goes to like explore this house because she thinks someone lives there, mm. and then the zombie comes out, so Sean has to go fight him. Yeah, and then when they're doing the fight, he has the tether ball and he swings it, <laughs> and he hits the zombie in the head, and they're like, "No, that's rubbish." <laughs> And she's like, no, stab him with it. And then he impales it. But, like, when they burst out through the glass, like, that is a good jump scare. Yeah. And then also in the aftermath fight is, like, one of the funniest scenes. It's just absolutely incredible. Reminds me of when they're flinging the records at the guy. When they're flinging the records, there's so many visual comedy things. Like, I mean, no, keep that one. I need that. (laughs) Dude. The scene, the uh, we have a fucking song by Queen. I think it's Killer Queen, right? No, it's Don't Stop Me Now. Oh, Don't Stop Me Now, yeah. where they're, they're just hitting the with zombie. Them. For some iconic, reason, all just right like, to the drum beat. Yeah, <laughs> fucking iconic. And that's the thing. Like, there's so many comedy movies that are funny because of the lines or because of the for- performances, but this movie's largely funny because Edgar Wright and his camera work. And like, yeah. there's so many visual things that are just so funny. Like Sean climbing up three stairs on a little stair set in the backyard to look over the fence yeah. and it just stays on him but it doesn't go up it just shows his feet and then he comes back down into the frame <laughs> he's like how many lots <laughs> <laughs> it's a tremendous movie alright enough about Shaun of the Dead uh, the next one I'm going to go to is 2005's Wolf Creek directed by Greg McClain uh, this is my straight up grimy horror film I 
think this is a really, really fun movie, like really fun movie for about half an hour. And then it turns into an absolute fucking nightmare. Um, and it is a convincing nightmare. Have you got, you hadn't seen this before? I hadn't seen it before, no. All right, so neither of you guys had seen this before. I'm interested to hear what you thought of it. I do think it was a good movie. I watched it at night, too, thinking, like, this is going to be the one that's going to, like, maybe mess with me a bunch because, I don't know, the idea of getting kidnapped. I just think people want to kidnap me. And, uh... <laughs> really, you do think a lot of yourself. <laughs> so, so anyway, um... Far-fetched fears here. Yeah, right. Uh, no. Yeah, it, he also has a fear of chainsaws. <laughs> like, why? Well, that's because it, it goes back to a haunted hayride, but don't uh, worry about it. Uh, it's, <laughs> we don't um, talk about that now. It doesn't need to be touched on. But no, um, but I felt like I've watched other movies that have made me feel... I don't know. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't my favorite of this sort of, I think, subgenre of horror is what I would say. But I thought it was a good one. Joe, how do you feel about it? I'll tell you what I liked about it. I feel like the villain, it was a mix of like the, I want to say like the iconography of Australian culture. And they used this thing, this villain that sort of seen, and there was even referenced in the film. He was like a crocodile Dundee type. Crocodile Dundee, but with meth and liquor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he seemed, he seemed sort of, yeah, exactly. So like kind of having the stereotypical Australian character and then showing the the dark underbelly. The, the darkest of dark, yeah, of like that, you know. So having that be representative of culture, and we're talking about representations of things in horror, is really interesting to me. And how he sort of represented, like, how the rest of the world sees Australia versus what Australia actually is, <laughs> or something along those lines. So I thought the villain, villain was fantastic. It was beautifully shot. The... I. I yeah. The cinematography of the outback and uh, on the whole road trip was it was excellent. I thought it was really good dialogue. I liked all the characters in it. I feel like the dude Nick could have been a member of Crazy Town. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was definitely in an Australian Bentley band at some point. <laughs> come, come yeah, so overall, um I mean once it got into like full torture porn, it's never my favorite genre, but there are ones I, I was rooting, I was in rooting for Australian Liz. I was rooting for I was rooting <laughs> for, for Australian Liz. Yeah, that was kind of a bummer, but I, I mean that's just like straight up like subjective viewpoint shit. Like in terms of how it was made, I thought it was a re- it was really well made and and definitely creepy. I think shit. it more I think where when did you see this? Originally? I saw this when it came out okay. on Christmas Day in the theater. That's fucking yeah, weird. Okay. Uh, Joey and I saw I went and saw actually. like Star Wars, but that's fine. It's fine. <laughs> we didn't see this together. What are we talking about? <laughs> Another Joey. Um, no, but I think everything you're saying is absolutely right. Like, it's so beautifully made. I love the villain. Like, this is a peak horror movie villain. Yeah. And the way that they make him seem like kind of so cool and like nonchalant. Um, you knew it was coming. You yeah. knew something was coming. Something's though. off, but like he really does seem the, to be cool. The video camera thing. Yeah. Oh my god. I could tell you. I mean, I I ended up reading Ebert's review after. <laughs> I mean, I know why. I get why he hates it because it's like sort of violence for like violence sake at the point of like uh, severing her spine and being like she's a head on a stick or whatever the fuck he says. Brutal. But it's, it's fucking brutal. It it gets real fucking brutal in like hostile territory. But I hate he, this because, like, I want to connect with that, but I didn't get that as much from this guy. See, well, I really do think he's, like, a very convincing villain. What yeah. I what I do Great like about this compared to 
other torture porn things is yes there's a lot of torture stuff yes it is very uncomfortable what i hate in all the torture porn movies is this rapid cutting to body parts being flayed and this doesn't have the excessive gore of that like you don't no, get to zoom in on an Achilles tendon being slashed, like, in Hostel. Yeah. And I hate that shit. Yeah, me too. This is just, like, when the torture is happening, it's very uncomfortable. And, like, it's more of a psychological torture, especially when he's initially doing it when pointing the gun at that girl. The voyeuristic yeah. shot and it, it's of coming. looking on. She's watching him through the window. And, like, that's just brutal, but not brutal in a way that, like is making me sick to my stomach, so which is a lot, what a lot of them do, like Saw movies and et cetera. It's about the gore rather than just like how scary it is. It didn't turn me on this one, I will say that. Like, it, it didn't... Where other films in, in that genre... I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I kind of like the original Saw. It, it gives me like... <laughs> I a, like the original Saw, but yeah. for the twist. Well, here's, but here's a problem for, the for me, though, is... And I this is just, I guess, more a commentary on myself. I think I'm coming to a realization about myself. I wanted more of that. <laughs> And yeah, this is the guy who's going to pick martyrs. Correct. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it just kind of speaks to who I am, which actually now I'm a little terrified <laughs> because I wanted, I wanted the Achilles being slashed and me to actually see it because for some reason that's what makes me feel really uncomfortable. I mean, it certainly and that's makes what me I feel want. It definitely makes me feel uncomfortable. That's, that's, that's what I wanted. I, <laughs> but I think this makes me feel uncomfortable and not in the way that I don't like, which is just like, oh, this is sickening to look at. I don't know. Nah. For some reason, I wanted that. And <laughs> that's at, why I didn't like this movie as much. I look at those movies and I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> I why? understand. It, well, it definitely accomplishes, like for something like Martyrs, it definitely accomplishes what it's set out to Oh, it do. does. Oh, yeah, sure does. I was actually dreading watching that again. I'm glad we didn't choose it. Nothing, nothing I want to watch. By the way, again. almost my choice. Yeah. You're a, you're a weird guy, dude. You're sick. Uh, I'm you're gonna sick. get. <laughs> Are you the Australian man in this movie? <laughs> hey, Mick, is that you? Only time will tell. <laughs> Can't do an Australian accent. No, definitely not. No. Uh, all right, so my last one is 2008's uh, "Let the Right One In," a Swedish film directed by Thomas Alfredson. Um, this is my elevated uh, horror movie because really, this is just a love story, and it's a very beautiful love story about outsiders finding love. And I like that. And it just so happens that they are vampires and they brutally murder people. But you understand it because she just wants to live and wants to find love and connection in this world. And I really love this movie. I think it's just very beautiful, very tender, while also being incredibly violent. Um, I think you said it, but I was feeling this way. I think I even mentioned it. This is the movie Twilight wished it ever could have been. Yeah. Because it's just so fucking heartfelt. I loved every minute of this, even the gore, because generally it was people who was like, yeah, you should have gotten yours. This is an instance of a severed body part being awesome. <laughs> Dude, that is one of my favorite scenes. Because it's was, feeding a small child, so you get it. And you know what? I almost, exactly. I agree with this thing being cut. With your, with, with your donation of at least one limb, yeah. one child could be fed for an entire day. Yeah, you support the life of this child who just wants to find love in this She's world. She's a vampire, but like... That's neither here nor there. We don't know that's her fault. But also, too, uh, maybe I'm too comfortable with violence, I think, is what we're figuring out. I think this has actually also been a running theme of this, because I almost cried tears of joy when I saw that arm floating down. Uh, well, I was I'm like, with, oh, my I'm God. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. How fucking... And that's that's what is so great about this movie, is like the way that it's shot and the way that they handle the violence is 
it's very beautiful violence. It's not gratuitous. It's it not. Kind of nice. Yeah, because every time it's happening, you agree with why it's happening. Yeah. yeah. Like here is our hero being drowned by a bully. Yeah, I want someone to be decapitated right now. And the the shot where because it's just focused on him, but you see the legs Dude. traveling back and yeah. forth across the pool. It's so fucking cool. So like. It's a very beautifully shot movie. It's very incredibly well made. It's heartfelt. It's tender. This is everything Twilight wanted to be because it actually makes you empathize with a vampire. And you actually like these vampires instead of not caring. (laughs) It's slightly weird that they're 12, but I'm here for it. Yeah. Very weird that they're 12, but like, hey, it's just puppy love. But it seems very real. This seems like an enduring love. Yeah. Yeah. Cinematography is, is fantastic. The snowy environment juxtaposed with all the blood. Um, it almost so seems like any vampire movie should take place in the snow. Yeah, it really should because the blood on the snow is just, it, it's beautiful every time. I don't know what else to say. Like, it's just, it, it's beautiful to look at. I even think though we it's both horrifying. need to be worried about things. <laughs> they don't pull their, it's, they, they show violence for what it is in this movie too, which is, is what I always appreciate when we're talking about violence in films. Same thing. The reason I like Eastern Promises, you were talking about it's it's not it's pretty. not gratu- it's it not is, gratuitous it pr- dick. No. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of Viggo Mortensen dick in that movie. That's and I'm swinging that thing right around because he's also stabbing people in the eyeball. So <laughs> I'm about it. <laughs> not with his dick, everyone. Not with his dick. <laughs> That's what violence is. Yeah. You know, stabbing it, people uh, in the eyes with dicks. It's stabbing. It's <laughs> stabbing people in the eyes with dicks. <laughs> no, it's ugly and it's not comfortable and like. I agree with you that violence is fine in movies with me as long as it's like has a purpose. It's not like glossed over of like, you know, okay, that guy's fine now. Like two <laughs> seconds later, you know what I mean? Like he's not fine. He's like dead. Anyone, and we have to deal with the consequences. Like anyone in Fast and Furious. Yeah. Basically, dude. They can <laughs> and I love Fast and Furious too. Like those things are fine, but like they are what they are. <laughs> Yeah, they're well, not let the right one in. It's This is like on a whole nother level of movie. They're basically, Fast and the Furious, they're basically like superhero characters now yeah. they're not real oh people. yeah don't worry oh, sure no, we, we dedicated an entire episode to how much we love that movie okay <laughs> no and I think that I just think this is, is like one of the most romantic movies just set in a horror movie I want to watch it again which is very interesting to me this is this is this is a great movie I, I, I loved it a whole lot I want to watch it again I think I thought it was a very like you, I, that's all I can really come away and say is the word sad is beautiful. Movie too. It is sad, yeah. um, but anyways, no, I love the way that it was shot. I think the cinematography of this is so well done. Uh, you know, even just without the snow, just the way things are framed, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, great Fan- fucking movie. Fantastic performances by the two yeah. lead kids in that movie too. Yeah, I, one of the things that like upsets me about this is that no one from this movie really went on to have much of a career. Like the two kid actors just really don't act anymore. Tomas Alfredson did Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which is fine, but like that's about it. <laughs> I want I wanted more for everyone in we'll this love movie because I love from it everyone. so much. A little sad. Yeah. 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 All right, so those are our 9 nominees. They are kind of our stand-ins for the horror best picture. We have 28 Days Later, The Descent and The Mist from Beam. We have Mothman Prophecies, Mulholland Drive and One Hour Photo from Joe. In my picks, Shaun of the Dead, Let the Right One In, and Wolf Creek. What we have to do here is whittle it down to three for the finals. So, Beam, how do you want to do this? Hmm. Do you want to choose your own that you're putting towards the finals, or should we let 
the others choose for us. I have a pick, but then I want to hear what your guys' pick would have been. The one I would put forth, though, just because of what my idea of what a horror movie is, but also how I think it operated really well within that sphere, is The Mist. You're kind of in it for the story where it is these sort of mutants that are created by a military accident. We've heard that premise before, but I think it operates within that sphere very well. I think there is sort of the violence and gore that I think are tied in with horror movies that it's not over the top, but it's well done. And and you really do feel trapped inside of that story with them. And while you may are kind of like, why the fuck are you leaving it? You also know you need to because of the threat within. So they're facing that threat from within that are the humans and the threat from the outside, which are the monsters. So that's why I'm putting that one forth. I like that. I'm like I said before, like you did an outstanding job. Well, you great know, job, Beam. You know, so I'm comfortable with any of the three that you put in. Like they're all nine or ten out of ten movies. Like honestly, brilliant. Uh, so I'll take the mess. Mist works. All right. I think Twenty Eight Days Later also has a case, but. I think so too. I think Here's the thing: is yeah, I totally agree. With I you. was beginning. I'm kind of surprised you took the mist to me. Honestly. I was gonna go to the descent, but like, I, there's so, the mist has that kind of campy quality to it as well that I kind of th- feel that is endearing about some horror movies. I agree. It's got like 80s. When you were talking about like the the kind of plastic performances, honestly, I thought it was kind of intentional a throwback to come like some which I'm not upset about movies. too. Yeah, it's um, fine if it is. Well, every character is kind of like an archetype. Yeah, yeah, like fits a role. But it, in for the sure, role. And, it, and it knows it too. Yeah, like that plays into it. I feel right. like I feel like it was intentional, and I feel like that way because Frank Darabont's a fucking brilliant director. So I feel yeah. like nothing is unintentional. About sure. That. Yeah. So maybe I'm giving it too much credit, but I'll also I think it's an amazing movie. So I'm totally good with the mist. Love the mist. I'm on board with that. All right, Joe. What do you want to put forward one, on your three? One fucking hour photo. How's everyone feel about that choice? I can accept. Mulholland drives the preferred out of yours, and you made a very compelling case. I think that's the best movie out of your three, and you made a very compelling case for why it is actually a horror movie. So I would go there, but if you want one hour photo, we can do one hour photo. What do you think, Beam? What's weird is I probably would have went Mothman Prophecies, just mm. because it felt like the classic horror Mothman movie. Split. But it's a classic. But but no, here's the thing though is that I did think you made the argument for one hour photo very well, and I kind of like it simply because it could give Robin Williams some shine, which I'm always always on board with Robin Williams. Always okay with that. So I'm willing to take that into consideration as well. I I I I, I like that pick because it's not my favorite movie, but I do enjoy it because of Robin Williams's performance in it. I mean, it's Pete Creepy Guy, which yeah. you need which you need in a horror movie. I mean, look at Mick Taylor. Just because he's not super violent, he's still creepy as fuck. So, Is that what you're choosing? Oh, hell no. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, let's go one-hour photo. So one-hour photo is in. The Mist is in. The only one that I don't want in the finals is Wolf Creek out of mine. Um, Fascinating. I like this movie, but, like, let's be honest, it's, it's like B-horror. It's, yeah. It's not elevated. I think Shaun of the Dead in... Um, oh, so we're actually trying to win. Oh yeah! Go oh, win. yeah! I mean, wait, what were you trying on, to do? I was the one to shoot. <laughs> I've lost so many times with this podcast recently that I'm just trying to fucking win. All right, Mulholland Drive. <laughs> wait, hold on. Oh. I you lost. Want to change to 28 days later. No, no, I was totally fine with you doing one hour photo. I was like, that <laughs> paves the way for me. <laughs> I lost when Black Mass got into the Boston Movie Hall of Fame. I lost when you guys chose Pitch Black over the host. If we're actually trying to I win. It's obviously losing. Mulholland Drive. I mean, the thing almost won an Oscar to begin with. Which, honestly, the reason why we're doing this is because these were the ones that didn't even get recognized by the didn't Oscars. So, fine. You go ahead and put that forth. <laughs> all right. All right. 
So I am totally comfortable with either Shaun of the Dead or Let the Right One In. I'll let you guys choose. Which which do no, you think? No, uh, come on. You got to choose it. What, what, what is the one you would put forth? Because it's your pick. I'm putting forth Shaun of the Dead then. Interesting. I love Shaun of the Dead. I think it's one of the best movies ever made. I think it's so funny and scary in moments and... You know, actually heartfelt. Like I actually, yeah. I actually do like the romance in that movie too. I think, I think it's think, very well done. I also like too the relationship with his friend. Yeah, great bromance. Yeah, tremendous. And it goes Keeps through all the zombie. peaks and valleys. Like yeah. it's a great movie. Uh, so I'm going Shaun of the Dead. You See, guys feel that? Can't argue with that, man. I can't argue with it. But I actually, if I were Go you, to the Winchester, kill Phil, kill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if Come I were on, you, I would have went let, let the right one in. It might be kind that of recency is. bias, but like, man, I fucking love that movie so much. Which one? Let the right one in. It's such a wonderful movie. Old. Well, he, just, he only it. saw let the gotcha. right one in yeah. for the first time for this. Yeah. Um, I'm still I'm sticking with Sean. That's then. fair enough. I just I love right. Th- <laughs> I I just want to say, if I hadn't already said it five more times. Love let the right one in. Same. Both are ten out of ten movies. Like I really feel that way. Yeah. Um, Wolf Creek, more like a seven. It's there. It's great. It's entertaining. It's horror, on our list, and I like it. We all yeah. have we all have our subjective tastes. For me, one hour photos a ten. <laughs> and yet you're gonna go with Mulholland Drive. Also a ten. I mean, I'd only choose tens as a guy. <laughs> the Mothman's more like a six, bro. Fuck you. Ah. Fuck you, son of a bitch. <laughs> all right. So, final mm. arguments. Okay. 30 seconds on the clock to make your final argument for why your film should win. What makes it the best of the horror movies from the 2000s? So wait, which one am I? <laughs> it's your fucking choice, <laughs> yeah, dude. dude. It's your choice, man. <laughs> one hour photo of Mulholland Drive. What are you going with? <sighs> Mulholland Drive. All right, make the case. 30 seconds. Go on, Let's you go. go first. You go first. You go first. I just chose. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I will go first. Shaun of the Dead. I can see why... Perhaps as a horror movie competition, this shouldn't win because it is more comedy than horror. It really is. But as I said before, Edgar Wright is someone who loves horror movies so much and all of the great things about horror baked into this movie. So, yes, it's a comedy with zombies, but it's more than that. And it has the scary scenes. It has the funny scenes. And most importantly, it has the feelings because that's what connects you to a movie at all times. It has the feelings of hatred towards the guy who gets ripped apart by zombies. It has the feelings of heartbreak. David. When, his name's David. Yes, David. <laughs> <laughs> it has the feelings of heartbreak when his best friend sacrifices himself so that they can survive. So it's got everything. It's a great movie. Beam, what's your case for The Mist? The reason why I'm going to go with The Mist is because I think out of all the ones that we have here, it literally is a horror movie. I think it does very well within that space as a horror movie. Uh, Like I said, I love the fact that it does have that campy quality to it, but it's that campy quality that gives you sort of that false sense of security that things are going to work out okay at the end, when in fact it's going to be one of the most take the bottom out from under you kind of feeling and you're just sit there going oh my god why why did that just happen it gives you that sense of despair and it's got monsters to the point where it's like the monsters they're not goofy like I mean you know the CGI quality on it isn't the best but like it's working at the time and probably the budget that they were working with within that um like I said, you have a fucking religious zealot in it, which is always fun because that scares me the most is religious zealots because 
people are like, oh, I believe in God. Sure, I'll follow this person. So that's just kind of makes me feel that way. But yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I just think this one as a horror movie, like it it checks off all the boxes and does it very well. Great. Joe, what's your case for Mulholland Drive? Mulholland Drive is is definitely a clear winner here because it's it's a movie that that sort of subverts all the horror expectations but still lands them it's it's it defies explanation it's ominous it's tense it's freaking weird and it still has that gut-wrenching twist but it comes at a point in the film where you totally don't expect it and it pulls the rug out from you halfway through the film and all of a sudden we see the reality for what it is that this character is essentially a failure that has come here to hollywood to pursue her dreams and it was all a false facade of the entire, the entire, not only the film, but like the Hollywood mantra is a facade. So it works in multiple ways uh, for me. And, and just the way that Lynch plays with your expectations, plays with horror, tells you what's right in front of your face and still manages to scare the shit out of you. It's, it kind of is unlike any other horror film. And that's why I think it's probably the best horror film of the last 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> Bold, bold claims. We like that. So, how are we going to do this? How are we going to decide a winner out of these three? I don't know. I, I pick happen ones. to agree 10 out of 10 movies. Like, I think all three of these are outstanding. We got to do some kind of voting system. I don't know how we're going to figure vote that one out. Three people. All right. So, out of these three films, Beam, you have to power rank them one through three. Okay. What's your rating? Well, The Mist, Shaun of the Dead, and Mulholland Drive. He only saw it today, so he doesn't quite <laughs> that is get fair. He doesn't quite get that it. That is yet. fair. Listen, I admitted to that. That might be kind of that. Listen, you made the case now, and I would have to almost watch it again with that lens. But that's just where I'm at, man. That's fair. Someone had to be three. It's fair. Having yeah, having seen all these movies like three or four times, and loving all of them immensely, I will say my favorite of the three is The Mist, because that ending and it just is so brutal and it sticks the landing in such a way that like you just leave that film feeling empty you literally don't see that ending coming you don't and like that is completely horrifying so i'm gonna rate mist one Shaun of the dead two mulholland drive three i love david lynch and i love his style now i know why you guys wanted me to pick mulholland (laughs) one hour photo also would have been third to be quite clear (laughs) you bite your tongue sir but, you know, it's not my favorite Lynch. Um, Did you say it was earlier in the podcast? This is where it came together for him on yes, all fronts? Yes, but that not make it my favorite. My favorite is, is still a, is Lost Highway. You can admit that it's the best, but it might not be your favorite. Exactly. Okay. And that's, okay. that's where it is because it's a little bit too surrealist. Like, I think Lost Highway, think all it, those weird surrealist things are there. Sure. But at least I can follow the fucking movie. <laughs> I think if I rank Mulholland Drive 1, 2, and 3, I have a chance to win this. <laughs> that's accurate. <laughs> All right, so I'm going The Mist, Shaun of the Dead, and Mulholland Drive. Joe, what's your rating? You want to make your last-ditch attempt here? Well, I mean, the, the, the ship has sailed. I know. I'm aware. <laughs> it sailed off into the mist. No, I... Yes. Damn. Got him. Uh, Mulholland, Shaun of the Dead, The Mist. Oh, you just put mine third. <laughs> just because... That's, that that's factual. That's factual. out of spice. Man. They're out of spite. We'll let the viewers decide. No, yeah. the viewers are going to be like, this guy's fucking Mulholland Drive is not a fucking movie. What the fuck is this guy talking about? But you made a compelling case. So, I, so I was so for that. Yeah. That's what I'm here for. And so, 
that means the mist wins that gives it 23 points in our made up point system <laughs> Shaun of the dead is 15 you literally like you were like i need to win one of these things <laughs> and then ranked your movie second I can't. I gotta be honest. No, here. I, listen, and I appreciate that about you. I will and say, I will say, Shaun of the Dead in in Mulholland Drive in my heart are like one A, one B. That was a that was just so I didn't have an embarrassing <laughs> point total. <laughs> <laughs> so we will give the best the best horror movie, best picture of, of the two thousands. Yeah. Wow, and that's that's bold if you think about it. The mist. It is kind of pic- bold. Because all right, so now we go Best to the. I think now we discuss. I think we now discuss then the honorable mentions because we obviously because if other people are thinking about it, we discuss the ring. Some people would think the ring, possibly need the Saw movies. Do you I want think. to rattle some off? Well, I just I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what I'm doing currently. <laughs> currently, <laughs> before you so rudely interrupted. <laughs> What else you got, Beam? Saw no, the Ring, great I think, movies. I think those are good movies. I think you mentioned The Conjuring. Honestly, Conjuring that's is 2013. 2010. Oh, is that 2010? When we get to oh, 2010s, I will be talking about The Conjuring. No, The Conjuring, obviously not 2000s. I've, the Omen. Okay, maybe it wasn't the scariest, to be yes. honest, or the yeah, movie, the not the best of the horror. Well, the remake, I think, oh, that came remake. out during that time. When it, someone gets beheaded, like, I'm kind of, that's fucking freaky. That's just a scene, though. But yeah, I mean. You, you had quite a list. I had quite a list. I mean, the ones that, like, were immediately, like, there that yep. I was really considering. Speaking of Beheading's High Tension, the French yeah. movie. It's a good movie, man. Um, I recently revisited it and did not like it nearly as much. Um, you know, I think I was just kind of there for the killings when I was younger. Maybe uh, that kind was of, what it was for me, too. <laughs> I grew out of it, so I didn't like it as much this time around, so I kept that out. Um, the House of the Devil, directed by Ty West, that is... Fire. Such a fun movie. Um, just a really fun 80s movie. But, it, like, made in 2009, but, like, clearly just impl- impacted completely by all the 80s horror It doesn't things. have the weaponized nostalgia feeling at all, though. No. This is, like, a legitimate, like, throwback that works. And it's so much fun because, like, the sequence where she's just dancing, listening to the headphones. Yeah. I've never had more fun in a movie. Yeah. Great stuff. Um, and then the last one that I want to shout out real quick is The Orphanage. Oh. Um, that one legitimately quite terrifying none of the horror torture porn bullshit very effective creepy kid stuff uh so those are my three honorable mentions that i want to shout out what do you got joe kids are fucking creepy that's all <laughs> um, really i'm gonna about. shout out zodiac mm. the david fincher film uh one of my favorite films of all time the basement scene is mm-hmm. uh, terrifying terrifying yeah sure is that plays on all my fears of of basements. <laughs> basements. You know how base no one has basements in California? I do. Fuck fuck that guy. Yeah. Oh my god. Um the creepiness level turned up to fucking fifteen. Yeah. Um Tale of Two Sisters. One that I watched pretty recently. Korean? Japanese? Korean. Korean. South Korean. I mean that easily could have been a choice today. That that's a straight up horror film. Um kind of plays on the split identity thing, lots of interesting twists. Re- that recontextualize the way that you've seen every of what you've seen so far over and over again and you're like okay what I saw was not what I was thinking I was seeing in terms of how the characters relationships were playing out and stuff like that and it has some genuinely uh, like sleep paralysis freaky moments of character you know that sort of prototypical Korean thing but I think this movie on rewatch is a much better movie than The Ring uh, this director Jiwoon Kim just straight fire yeah. He also did I Saw the Devil, which... Fantastic. 2010s, I'm going to have to consider it. <laughs> yeah. uh, and he did A Bittersweet Life, which is a tremendous action movie. Yeah. Like, tremendous. 
so I love this dude and I love A Tale of Two Sisters. If you had picked that, you would have had a better shot. I, I might have put that one. Damn, dude. <laughs> I should have I should have went with my heart then. No. Um, you got any more? Yeah, I got Mysterious Skin. If anyone's seen the, the Greg Araki movie. I don't even know if you can consider this horror movie at all, but it has some genuinely disturbing moments to it in the kind of like, I don't know, it's sort of surreal, sort of neo-realist at the same in the same token and f- fucking incredible performance by Joseph Gordon-Levitt it's my favorite thing I've ever seen him do he's also pretty damn good in Brick but that that time that time period for him was great uh, yeah he plays a like a male pro- like a male prostitute and there's like these suppressed memories with him and this other kid in this weird UFO through line it's a very disturbing movie um, am I allowed to say one more? yeah one mm-hmm. more uh, I just watched it today. Uh, another Alex Garland, Danny Boyle collaboration, um, Sunshine. Sunrise. Sunshine. 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 Had, Jesus yeah. Christ. Uh, Sunshine. Um, another Celine Murphy. Fantastic Celine Murphy. Celine Murphy performance, I always say. Guys, it's wrong. Killian. Yeah. <laughs> Is it really? Yes. <laughs> Is that why you gave me that look before? Yes. Actually, As the resident think... Irishman, it's Killian. <laughs> Killian. I mean, Killian. I am too, but that's fine. <laughs> Although I feel, in, in some sense, Chris Evans is kind of like the... Chris Evans is outstanding. Very in good movie. in that movie. He's like, fantastic in this film. And kind of like the lead. Yeah. I wish he didn't go the Captain America route and just kept doing good shit like this. Snowpiercer. I do, I do like Captain America. I'm not saying that. But like, huh? I wanted more but for like, his career. Killian Murphy doesn't do a whole lot. Chris Evans is kind of the one. And you think he's like, oh, he's going to be the dick. Super disturbing uh, visuals. and There's like a sun monster at the end. <laughs> Yeah, well, he's a he's the captain of the Icarus One, right? The, yeah, but he's in that sort of like fractured. Yeah, but he's frame. a sun monster yeah. now. The sun, yeah, he's a sun monster. The fractured frame, the like weird like uh, freeze frames that kind of come in. It's very, it's very, I don't know, interesting. Very interesting visuals. The cinematography, the way it plays with the the sunlight kind of coming. It's just great script too. Like. 10 out of 10. I, I thought that was a, a fantastic film. Could have done it for me more if you went with that 10. one too. <laughs> I think it's a 10 out of 10 until the last 10 minutes. The like slasher film that it turns into in those last 10 minutes, it's like really weird transition to me. It's not where I thought we were going. Um, and I wasn't as pleased when I saw it happen. But like claustrophobic, like so much alien DNA in that movie. Yeah. Just feeling the claustrophobia of being on a ship in space and like how unsettling that is would be. I don't know. Uh, Alex I've never Garland, been to space, but like Alex yeah. Garland does a fantastic job of taking your expectations of a movie like that, and then it's like it sets it up like we should split up or something like that, and they're like, and then they weigh the actually weigh the logic of it, you know. And the characters are smart; they're not making stupid decisions, and it'll end up being something totally unexpected to what you thought it was going to be. But it's like they set it up in the way that you've seen it in other films before. So I think he's re- Alex Garland's a really fantastic writer in, in that sense. It's like same thing with Annihilation. Dude, when we get to 2010s, I'm freaking nominating Annihilation. There's never been anything scarier than that bear monster. That bear Whatever monster. Whatever the fuck that thing is. Fucking like, disturbing, yeah. Wow. So great writer. Big fan of Alex Garland. Yeah, me too. So I, like you, his, I like his visual style in these directorial movies too. Ex Machina. Devs. Yeah. He's 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 transitioned into the directing thing really well. Yeah, I really love Alex been, Garland. He's, he's kind of. Uh, Three out of three right now between Ex Machina, Annihilation, and Devs. He's, yeah, he's, he's nailing it. Yeah. So shout out to Martyrs. <laughs> he could have been on here. 
Let's talk about martyrs. We just didn't. No, no, we <laughs> no, don't have to. Let's not. Uh, I think we talked about it enough. Also, Human Centipede. Um, I think, you know, it came out 2009. I get it. Uh, when, I, when I started a job working at a dispensary in L.A., the first day I got there, the guy was watching Human Centipede on his on his uh, tablet. I know Human Centipede came out in 2010. Was, well, it was 2009, I think, it was being shown at film festivals, right? Human and then 2010 too. is when it was really... It was really quite a way to walk into work, though. Human Centipede The guy too. training me is watching so Human Centipede So once we get to too. 2010s, you'll be hearing <laughs> that from me. Please don't. We have established that you really like disturbing shit and seeing it. So, hey, if you want to pick Human Centipede, go for it, bro. I mean, part of it, too, is that I'm just trying to torture my audience I will as not well. be rewatching. <laughs> you picked up onto my tricks. It, it, it lives in my brain already. There's and not I much. can't unsee it. I got There's you to listen to Mudvayne. I guess it, I can't right? get you to watch Human Centipede again. <laughs> All right. So that about wraps us up. The Mist has won the 2000s Horia Oscar. Beam, congratulations. Thank you. What do you have to say? Um, what do you have I'd, to say to the Academy? Uh, that I'm glad you guys got it right because I knew it <laughs> was going to be. Time. I knew it was going to be the winner all along. Uh, I don't know why any of these other jabronis thought they were going to compete with me. Like Mothman prophecies is on here with me. Like fuck off. Like get off my podium. So wow, coming at me hard right now. Taking shots at the end. Wolf Can't you just be like Joe Pesci and just say it was a privilege and walk off stage? No, no, fuck that. Shut and then the Wolf off. Creek. I don't even know why you were. I don't even know why you and I are in the same room right now. Um. Yeah. No, I'm feeling great. I'm glad. Really went Dwayne the Rock Johnson as the Rock in your acceptance speech. Good for you, man. Thank you. Take your moth, man, and stick it straight up your candy ass. <laughs> so, uh, Joe, you have a new film coming out, Avoid. It is premiering at Madison Theater this Saturday, correct? That's right, sir. July 10th. And we're gonna have an encore showing the 11th, uh, both starting at 7 p.m. We're gonna we're gonna show it back to back though. So if you get there at eight, you'll get to see the second showing. Yeah. So you know, support Joe, support his film. Come out to the Madison Theater if you can make it. Um, I've seen the trailer. Looks good. I really, I really do. I'm want... not sure I'm ready for it emotionally, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I want. Be- what it's Beam's here for martyrs, but he can't handle my film. <laughs> It's the real life stuff that I can't handle. <laughs> yeah, so go check out Joe's film if you can. Avoid um, and follow it on Instagram. See what's happening with it. And yeah, a Joe. underscore void film on Instagram. And yeah, Joe, best of luck with the festivals if you can get in in there and all that stuff, man. Thank excited you, sir. to see. Excited to see where this film goes. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, very much so. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Back Porch Media on Twitter at Porchback Media. You can follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all those things. Rate and review us. Be nice. I think also, too, yeah, if you start following us on social media, it's just going to be, yeah, it's just actually now it's going to become torture porn. I just realized that that's the direction <laughs> I'm heading in. And I think I'm just going to lean into it. And I'm the one that has the keys to the car on that one. So I'm steering us that way. Please don't. <laughs> I'm way to asking, shrink your I'm, audience. I'm asking nicely. Just please don't. All right. So. Uh, thanks for listening guys let us know what you think should have been the best horror movie from the 2000s we'd love to hear from you see y'all later bye peace